So happy Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day. I'm going, I wrote something this morning and I don't have it memorized or so I'm going to use my phone to read it. But we are all here today because of a mother. One person let their life be used to bring forth another. A mother. It's a word that can actually elicit a lot of different emotions. Some really wonderful and other times you might be like, I'm failing in that. Or just be like, that wasn't a great experience for me. But in the best sense of the word, a mother is an everyday hero. Daily denying herself for the well-being of another. Pouring her life into a life that will succeed her own. Sleepless nights, pondering the gold within each child that may or may not be shining. <laughs> Loving another more than yourself. Being a cook, a chauffeur, an accountant, a doctor, a counselor, a comforter, a teacher, an executive, an expert in chaos management. Yes. All wrapped up in a day's work, a mom. So God created women as the ones to bear children, but there is more that goes into being a parent than biology, such as the nurturing of them, the teaching of them, and often we say it takes a village to raise a child. Thus, on Mother's Day today, Frontier wants to celebrate those who have adopted, who have cared for, and who have loved any child like their own. We know Mother's Day can mean different things to different people. For many, it represents a celebration of life and great joy. For others, it can be a reminder of a struggle or a mark of grief. And today, you can just close your eyes. I'm going to kind of read these over you. We remember and we celebrate. To those that gave birth this year, we celebrate with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we are so thankful for you and we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard paths of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. And forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make things harder. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distant from your children, we sit with you. To those who have lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. And to those who've lived through the toddler screaming tests, driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of the entirety of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. So today, we want to honor those mothers who are among us, the mothers who have gone before us, who have loved another's child like their own. We want to honor the single moms who wear more hats than we can actually imagine. And we want to honor those who will come behind us as they give us wings to fly. To all the mothers out there, we say thank you. So this scripture, Ephesians 5, I felt like the Holy Spirit said it embodies a mother more than any. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So as a gift today, thanks to the amazing Liz Q and Eunice's backyard, we are offering a fragrant offering to, not offering, we're giving a fragrant offering to all moms. It says, you're special. It's either laced with jasmine or that beautiful flower. I don't know what it is. And it is a um, lavender linen room spray. So moms or spiritual moms or moms that love a child like their own. Thank you, Lana Marie. And just because I have the mic and I can, I want to thank our mother, Kathy. You are a spiritual mother of me, of Christian, and of this house. None of us would be sitting in this room without this woman. She came to know Jesus when my husband was three. And every day since has lived her life falling more and more in love with him. And as Christian always says, I've got to see a living and active relationship. And thus, it made me hungry for my own. And this woman prayed for me long before I knew Jesus. And I was the first believer in my family line history. And that I can credit, Kathy, thank you for praying. Thank you for laying down your life. Thank you for giving up your life for the benefit of your children. So from all of us in this house to you, Kathy, we say thank you. Thank you. So moms, spiritual moms, single moms, mentor moms, all of you, we love you. At the end of church, there's a beautiful thing I did not have any part in um, back there set up for you. And on that note, Christian, we welcome you up. He doesn't need it. This is on. Beautiful. You can take that. Beautiful things. Wow. She said she didn't have anything this morning to say. (laughs) Isn't that always how it goes? There's always more in you than you realize. Thanks. Really good. Well, um, we're in the middle of uh, welcome. There's inappropriate tote. (laughs) My goodness. Welcome to those of you that are new or haven't been here in a while. We've, uh, we're, we're on Mother's Day, so we're going to honor mothers, and we already have started. Uh, and we do, we, she did a beautiful job of just acknowledging that Mother's Day has all kinds of emotions, whether you had uh, an incredible uh, mother, a distant mother, an absent mother, or, or whether the dynamic of being a mother and the concept of mothering has, has sensitive dynamics. I really believe that the Lord wants to encourage us today and to comfort us today. The Holy Spirit, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord, we call him Father, Father God, but not because he is a man in the sense of a, a, a sexual being, and the Holy Spirit as comforter isn't a woman as a sexual being, but they do when you describe the family of God. There's a real, uh, there's a reality that we have a father and we have a comforter. And I, I do believe that that comforter in our spiritual lives takes that place that demonstrates just like God is a perfect father, the Holy Spirit perfectly comforts us and mothers us and guides us. And among a plethora of other amazing things. But if you, if you today feel inadequate as a mother or you feel like your experience in the realm of, of, of having mothering has been inadequate... I think the church does a really good job with speaking life into to, to fathering and how the Lord wants to restore fatherhood. But I think we struggle with, with motherhood. 
And, and today I'd, I'd like to, to take a little bit of a bridge and, and highlight some things from last week. If you weren't here, uh, Seth Dahl uh, spoke on, on family and on maturity and on comforting, the comforting of the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to merge that into some highlights of how Jesus and his mother give us, I think, a window into something of, of what the life of maturity looks like. Uh, to become those who are fully fathered, fully mothered, and understand the fullness of what the, the Trinity does in our lives. Is that all right? All right. So, stretch out your hands to me again and say, help him, Jesus, to put this together better than he thought about. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you could turn to Ephesians 4. Uh, Sue just read a beautiful passage from Ephesians 5. So if you were already there in your phone or Bible, flip her back one to Ephesians 4. Seth started with this passage. Um, he, he did a lot of things. I'm only going to highlight a couple things. Um, man, did he just kind of like spray us with a bunch of goodness, didn't he? Uh, and, and I, I, I got convicted many times uh, throughout what he was saying. I got encouraged many times, convicted many times, got nervous a couple times. He was going to say something political. But <laughs> 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 Woo, you're in L.A., Seth. Okay. Um, so, um, but, but the heart of what he said was really beautiful. And I think the, the heart of the focus on maturity was, was one that I don't think I had taken uh, that bent or, or taking the time to really realize what was in my God spot in areas that God wanted to be in as comforter. And so in Ephesians 4, he, he, read, he read this passage. Uh, I'm only going to read a couple verses. Um, Ephesians 4, Paul talks to the church about how Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. This is verse 11 of, uh, of Ephesians 4. To equip the saints, that's us, the church, for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Jesus, of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so, the whole point there, maturity and stature, is ones that are kind of like nominal, not too exciting words. But I think if you pay just a shred of attention, you realize that the whole point of us becoming the body of Jesus, fully empowered and equipped, if we were fully representing Jesus on earth as it is in heaven, maturity and stature, it almost kind of has a lack of oomph, doesn't it, in the English language? Maturity and stature. It's interesting that Jesus, it says... Before he started his ministry, oh, I like the, the Bible apps working, yes. The, when Jesus started his ministry, it talks about his maturity and his stature and favor with God and man. As if that was like the mark that, that showed something of heaven invading earth. Our maturity and our stature. It's fascinating. Um, we're going to go back to this in a second. Um, 
but this is essentially what Seth said that I'd, I'd like us to, um, to hone in on. Uh, first, just as a reminder, he gave us a wonderful word as a body. He saw that, uh, that business across the street. Um, I, I actually can't see it through the window. I forget exactly what it says. Seismic safety or something like that, right? And, and he, he really felt like it was a, a picture for us as he was praying about it before he got out of his car. And he said, when everything else shakes, that we will be those who stand strong. When everything else shakes, that we would be those who stand strong. He felt like the Lord was giving us uh, in the spiritual as an image, like a new air compressor and, uh, and an impact wrench, both of which I know nothing about and he seemed to say he knew nothing about but had a lot of information to give us on the topic that I kind of wandered off and lost me. But it came back and he essentially said that, that it has this high torque impact with minimum effort. That's what an impact wrench and a new air compressor, I think, to the most part, the point was they do together. If we could be a people that have an incredibly high impact with minimum effort (laughs) and that we know how to apply the appropriate amount of pressure, we get the tension in life, we get the tension in society, we get the tension in relationships, that you don't bolt the bolts too tight or too loose. And that, that our homes, this house, and our homes that we, that we are a part of, that they would be bolted and that our foundations would be strengthened, but not too tight and not too loose, meaning that we know how to navigate earthquakes, storms, hostility, but with, with homes that, that when everything else shakes, we remain strong. It's a powerful image, and, and I think it's a little bit out there. I'm going to be out there for one more minute. Um, Sue... Sue, uh, <laughs> Sue shared this morning we had a, a friend from Chicago that we haven't talked to in probably years and years and years, um, sent us this message just yesterday. And I'll be honest, I didn't read it because I was like, oh, sweet Jana, she's probably like giving us an update on life. She like played flute or something all over the world. And I was like, I'll read that like after church, not knowing that she was like praying for us and had a word for, from God for us. So don't, don't take lightly your flute-playing friends that travel the globe. <laughs> I know you all have them. And she said, Hi, Martinsons. I know it's been years since I've seen you, but I loved following your journey in California. I've been so encouraged by what God is doing in Frontier Church and all you share about your kids experiencing the presence of Jesus. How amazing! Amen. I was just spending time with Jesus, which is so nice, and she felt really strongly to send you a message as I felt like God has a word for churches in California. So here it goes. There's something seismic coming. It's underneath the surface now, but watch for fault lines. Watch for fault lines where what is beneath will shift what is above. Like the pressure from tectonic plates moving creates earthquakes. Get ready for something to shift. It might look disconnected or come in in an unexpected area, but he is shifting it. End of word. How encouraging is that? So I I just feel like sometimes we can get these words from the Lord, and we can go like, yes, amen, I love that picture. And I'll be honest, the first response of my spirit is like, ah, good word, yeah. I've heard earthquake words a lot. Shifting words a lot, breakthrough words a lot. I just want to see something happen. I receive it, but ultimately, 
It's like, have you ever had someone just, it's like you really need a breakthrough financially and everyone wants to give you an encouraging word or prayer about finances and you're like, well, God, I'd really just need you to put money in my bank account. Thank you for the encouragement. It was encouraging the first five times, times 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 50. It was not encouraging. It was actually kind of annoying. I need money in the bank account. And then the voice in your head, if you were here last week, is just like, well, son, is, is, how would you speak to me if you knew I wanted to help you? <laughs> Eye roll. Deep breath. Father, who loves me, um, well, see, I, I need a breakthrough in my finances. Okay, son, let me help you. And, and let's, let's, let's take this word, this seismic shift word, and let's do something with it. Let's ponder it. The mother of Jesus, what did she do? Well, we get a couple instances. If you turn to, to the beginning of Luke, let's go to Luke chapter 2. We get a lot of Mary in the first couple chapters of, of, of the Gospels, and then we get like nothing of her. Right? It's kind of how it goes. We get this amazing woman that gets this word, this angel appears to her, and the Savior of all mankind is going to come to you. You're going to be of child by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to give birth. I, I realized uh, if, if, uh, if there's a message title today, it would be A Mother's Guide to Full Maturity. A Mother's Guide to Full Maturity. And, and I, had this, I had this thought about motherhood. Kind of comical, but, but in, in all seriousness, <laughs> you know, not even God could send his son to earth without a mother. You've thought about that? So he could alleviate a lot of things, like a father. But he couldn't alleviate a mother. Or he certainly didn't want to do it. He does whatever he wants. But I think that's beautiful is that, that Mary was fully mother of, of Jesus. And she was completely part of his maturation process. What qualified her was she was the type of person that could take something without fully understanding it, chew on it deeply, wrestle with it, and then say, yes, without any certainty <laughs> whatsoever. And for sake of time, I just want to go um, to verse 19 of chapter 2. After the shepherds appeared and they, they, she birthed Jesus, I wanted to go through some of the previous stuff. because It's just beautiful how she stewarded the word, how she went and spent time with her cousin Elizabeth. Her, her song that's in chapter end of chapter 1 is just amazing. But in verse 19 of chapter 2, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. We all have heard that a gazillion times at every Christmas cantata that's ever been done. But do you realize that there's something in the pondering that it's like a unique phrase just to Mary? And in fact, the Catholic Church almost worships Mary, and evangelicals tend to get quite nervous about that. But the sad part about our nervousness as evangelicals is in our pursuit of not making Mary a god herself, we almost miss out 
on the gold that she carries that the Lord wanted to demonstrate through her. So can we do that this morning without being nervous that we're making her equivalent to God? Just say that God chose one woman to give his son to, and she did something that I think we need to pause and say, how do I take the promises of God that I don't understand, and how do I ponder them until they become reality? Not understand them. We're not asked to understand everything God says or speaks. We're not, we're not asked to understand everything in our circumstances, but we're given an invitation to ponder. And she treasured these things up, all these things about the Savior of the world coming through her. She pondered in her heart. And then, if you jump down to verse 39 of chapter 2, and when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, so Jesus went into the, the, the temple and all these amazing things happened in the temple. They did all the things according to the law. They returned to Galilee, to their town of Nazareth. So they had a couple moments in the limelight where some people recognized maybe what was happening. And then they went back to Nazareth where no one would have any stinking idea who they were or care to a forgotten town in the middle of nowhere. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Amazing. And then the very next chapter or the very next verses in verse 41, uh, we have 12 years pass and the parents are going, they went every year to the feast of Passover to Jerusalem. That was their custom. <clears throat> and then they had this little exchange. Jesus didn't join the caravan back, took them a day to figure it out. And then they go back looking for him. It took three days to find him. And where is he? He's in the temple. Doing what? Having a raging party in the temple. Kind of for him. It was, he was, this was the place he wanted to be. He was sitting with the, the wise priests, the wise teachers, and he was sitting with them and astonishing them. His parents come, and this is what they say. Well, first it says, everyone who... who who saw Jesus, they were amazed at his, his, at his answers. His parents saw him, and they were astonished. They were overwhelmed is what the word means. And then his father, Joseph, comes in and says, nothing. Joseph says nothing. Joseph doesn't have a voice. Why does Joseph have no voice? It's not his father. I don't think Jesus ever, now I don't mean this in a non-submissive way. In fact, it says he submits to his parents. I believe he loved Joseph. I don't believe that Jesus ever truly, I don't know what point in his life he realized what was going on. He, he never recognized Joseph as father. Jo, Joseph's voice did not ever have the same weight as Mary's voice in his life. The mother says to him, son, meaning what? Reminding Jesus his place. The word specifically means, I mean, the funny thing is it means son. It's not like a trick word. But it, the word in that language, in Greek, does actually mean offspring to human parents. Child. It's funny when you just even look up what the word means sometimes. It's like, yeah, she's, she's declaring over him his humanity of being her son. Why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And so 
all of a sudden there's this exchange between who she says is his father and who he says is his father, and they have a little bit of a disagreement. And the word father there means father, but it has the connotation of the immediate biological ancestor. It was not a Jewish phrase. We say father, God, father this, father that, father this. They do not say that. When Jesus calls his heavenly God father, it was in, on purpose contrast to his earthly father. And they did not understand the sp- saying he spoke to them. What was the saying? Father's house. What, what, the, what the does that mean, Jesus? That's what they didn't understand. And he went down, submitted to them, and his mother treasured all these things up in her heart. So repeat from the previous. So what are you supposed to know about Mary? The kind of woman Mary is? She treasures and ponders. Promises she doesn't understand. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Repeats Two things about the mother and son relationship of these two. It repeats Mary's ability to ponder the promises and Jesus' maturity in stature. It's fascinating to me. I'm not even sure fully where to go with it. <laughs> I just, I'm just amazed at how the Lord is obsessed with highlighting this woman's ability to ponder And her pondering things she doesn't understand was the seedbed that allowed Jesus to develop into who he became. So what is it that we need to stop resisting and we need to receive and start pondering promises in our life? As a church, I think we need to ponder, what is this seismic shift? What does it look like to do life in this community? As individuals, what is it that you, have, you need to ponder? I think some of us, it's, it's, it's legal access to say again, you know what, I put these promises aside, and I, I didn't know what to do with them. And forgive me, Lord, I repent for not keeping them before you because I didn't understand them. Our society is obsessed with understanding and then doing something with it. Let's study it, study it, study it, study it, study it, understand it, and then do something with it. And everything in the kingdom doesn't work that way. It's surrender, 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 posture, 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 ponder, 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 promise, promise, promise. I don't understand, I don't understand, just step forward. (laughs) Treasured up all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature is not mentioned in the Gospels apart from Mary's pondering. How vital do you think Mary was to Jesus' life? As an aside, I think they had a great relationship. Why? Well, because he could call her woman in jest. In, in John's gospel, John kind of highlighted her a couple ways where, where the, the first miracle that John reports, he goes to a wedding. There's no, well, they run out of wine. Mary's there. Jesus is there. His disciples are there. And Mary comes up and says, servants. And he's like, ah, woman? It's not my time. It's a big deal because he's, he's, 
I think they're, I think they're joking with each other, kind of. He's about to joke, and I'll show you where he jokes in a very tear-jerking way. But he says, woman, meaning what? He doesn't call her mother. It says in that passage, the mother of Jesus, twice. Jesus doesn't say mother, he says woman. Like, like in this moment, woman, not my biological blood, you're out of line, it's not my time yet. And then it would be like, stand up for a second. I, I, need, a, I need a man. What's an attack? Come here. Yeah, you're... It'd be like, you're the Lord Jesus. You're the Lord's mother. Okay. And it would be like, you come to your son. So look at him like your son. You've got a team of servants behind you. Team, like a team of servants with these like massive jugs. They were actually made out of stone, so they were probably over here in a special place. They couldn't carry them. And you go, woman, just look at her like, woman, it's not, it's not the time yet. But like in that kind of like, kind of a little bit scared of her too. Um, <laughs> because, because then she probably did a, something like this, like, like, like. Servant, do whatever this man says for you to do. And then he did it. Am I, am I giving the message? <laughs> so it was something in the, just, just without words. You're really good with the eyes. You know, so just give him the look, give the servants the look, and then she just went and sat down, and she probably went and had her meal and waited for her glass to be filled. So you can sit down. And then Jesus stood there probably for another minute, and he was like, I don't know if he checked with his father or not, like briefly, but the point was is that whatever mom was doing there was apparently what God was doing. And they don't clarify it. It's like the most bizarre little passage where, where he's like, my time has not yet come. Okay, go fill those jugs with water. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. You can go sit down. Thanks, Jesus. So, so here we go. We don't really get much of Mary again in all the Gospels. John's apparently. And then he's hanging on the cross. And you know what he says to his woman? To his, to his, to his woman. <laughs> It's a tear-jerking moment on the cross. It needed some, some uh, humor. Uh, he says to his mother, woman, which is supposed to stir up all that fa- uh, mother-son banter. It's almost like their little nickname. Woman, behold your son. Not him, John, the beloved. Behold your son because he's leaving and he's not going to let his mom go unlooked out for And son, to John, behold your mother. And John says, from that hour, from that hour, Mary was part of his house, John's house. But he says, woman. (laughs) So, So he can receive in jest from this woman, and he can place her into family, take care of her. And you know that they had a bond and a relationship that, that, it was unlike anything else that Jesus had ever experienced. The power of a mother. He knew exactly what her role was. It's amazing. 
So what do we do with that? I don't know. I really don't know. But I think what we're going to do is, is try to highlight a couple things about maturity. Jesus matured because of that woman. He grew in stature, wisdom, and favor because of that woman. How am I doing on time? Okay, a couple minutes. <clears throat> Seth last week talked about the Holy Spirit being a comforter, and he, he, he gave this example of how we often, as with little babies, they'll cry for food or they'll cry, and we'll just give them food every time, no matter whether they're crying for whatever. They're crying because they're upset, milk. They're crying because they're poopy, milk. They're crying because they need milk, 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 milk. And he said oftentimes we have to learn in the maturity that they don't need milk. And then at the same time, he gave that lovely example of where his son was losing it, and he about lost his mind, and he done, tried everything he possibly could, and he called the wife like in desperation, and he goes, Lauren, help, and she's like, did you feed him? And he goes, no, I didn't. Okay, I should have fed him. So the point of maturity is realizing that sometimes it's, it's time to, to eat and sometimes it's not time to eat. Sometimes we need milk and sometimes we don't need milk. But oftentimes what we do in our, we learn comfort as an infant. We can learn it through milk, we can learn it through a pacifier, we can learn it through a blanket. My children have learned it through all of them. I feel like they equally, they equally take comfort from the milk, the baba, the passy, the blanket, everything. It's amazing. They, they are obsessed with those things and we've had to wean them off. And, and I, I realized that I was thinking about this, that we do these things, what we have in our life, we comfort ourselves in many, many, many ways. And sometimes they're really overt and obvious, like drugs and alcohol or whatever else, but most of the time they're much more subtle. What are they? Well, I realized, like, I, I, I find ways, things that I don't want to process, that I don't want to ponder, I numb. I might, I might numb by reading a Christian book, but I really need to be pondering something that I'm wrestling with with the Lord. So it's not just you're doing something bad. It could be, I, I really love social media, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I can do social media kind of like still in God's presence, fully engaged and present, and then I can be in social media when I'm disconnected and not present, and then it's not helpful. I can do the same thing with Netflix. I can be in Netflix and doing something very productive, and it's totally fine and wonderful. I can be watching a great you know, documentary with my wife, and it's exactly what I should be doing right then. And I can be doing it because I'm trying to numb when I should be doing something else. It's not about what you're doing. It's what are you numbing, and what are you replacing the comforter with? Our kids learn the process at an early age, and it's our responsibility to teach them maturity. It's also our responsibility now to, to grow into maturity. And I feel like there's something of what we're doing in this season where we're going to grow into maturity and we're going to do it together. And it doesn't have to be as, nearly as painful as we, we think it might be. If we do this together, I feel like we're going to call life. We're going to see things in each other. We're going to call it forth. And that's something that I think is, is also just something amazing that, that is an innate ability of a mother, is to see the best potential of a child before the child sees it and even when the child doesn't see it, and often when no one else on earth sees it. And often it's not even true. But <laughs> <laughs> the mother will see it. And, we, and, and we're like, ah, oh, mom, I know I'm not that great. And I'm like, but you know what's not, true, what's not good is to not have that person cheerleading. People that don't have that person that believes the best in them. That someone really cares that much. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks about you. And if you do not 
spend time in the presence. If we do not, look, we've been talking about sacred rhythms and, and spiritual practices and disciplines and all these things, not for the point of being disciplined, but for the point of posturing ourselves as a people that meditate with the Holy Spirit, that don't empty ourselves, we fill ourselves. That's the main difference between Easter meditation and Holy Spirit meditation. Eastern meditation, empty. Holy Spirit, fill. It's the main difference. He wants to fill your mind. <laughs> he wants to speak to you. He wants to highlight scripture to you. He wants to sing to you. He wants to tell you the stuff that anyone else's voice it may, may just drop by the wayside. And if you don't have a mother like that, like, like, like Mary or like mine or like a lot of the other amazing mothers in here, if you don't have a mother like that, <laughs> that sucks. And it's okay to say that. But just like we constantly tell people, but you have a good father to replace your terrible earthly father, you have a comforter. It's even better than your best example of an earthly mother. It covers you as a mother. It takes the pressure off you if you feel like you're a failure as a mother. Or if you know that you had a mother that was a failure. You have a comforter. <laughs> I, I really like that Lego dragon analogy he gave or that experience last week where that woman comes to him and says, you've got to pray for me. I'm possessed by demons. And this dragon came out of Legoland, something like that, and is getting me. Pray for me. And he goes, I, I can't pray for you. And she goes, what? You have to pray for me. It was, it was really weird, and I was still distracted at Lego dragons, and I'm like, my kids would love a Lego dragon. That's a great idea. I think I saw that dragon at Legoland, actually. <laughs> but but the, what he shared about that was he processed with this woman is that, no, I I actually can't pray for you because what you need is, is to change the way you think about who Jesus is because this Lego dragon is bigger than Jesus and your Lord is this dragon right now and you need to change the way you think. The biblical word for changing the way you think is repentance. You need to repent, not, not to be like, I'm a horrible person. It's that I, ch I repent from this way of thinking, of putting in the, my God spot of Lord over my life, a Lego dragon where Jesus is supposed to be. And when you make that shift and stop believing the lie, all of a sudden, you can stop crying for the bottle that you don't need when your diaper's full of poo. And he gave this, this cool analogy where it's like, this woman goes, all of a sudden, she does that. He walks her through that. I mean, he wasn't like a jerk to her, I don't think. <laughs> Dealt with the Lego dragon and the lordship issue. And she goes, in 10 minutes, you've helped me more than anyone else has helped me in however many years. And he goes, I didn't even do it. He didn't even do anything. He didn't even pray for her. And I, and I think there's something in that that we need to realize that sometimes the things that we feel stuck on, the key isn't, we didn't have our magic words at prayer time. The key was, is there, is there, is there a spot that we're allowing to be filled with something that our comforter is there to fill. 
Is there a spot we are filling with something that our comforter is there to fill? It's a good question. And I think sometimes that posture of like a mother is, a, is, is the one that's almost that kind of image that you want to dialogue with in that moment, right? Comfort me. I don't think it's, and this may not be your experience, but when my kids want comfort, they go to their mom, not their dad. When they're scared, they tend to go to me. It, it's not a hard, fast rule. It's not like you don't get weird about it, but the, the, I do think that there's a dynamic where if you don't go to, to the Holy Spirit as comforter, you're missing out on spiritual mothering that I believe that Mary demonstrated on earth and that Jesus demonstrated living with in a way that's impossible for us to come into the fullness of our maturity without. And that's the invitation today, to be comforted. <laughs> All right, so I want to land it, but what was that other thing I wanted to say? Maybe I kind of already said it. I went all out of order. And when I do that, then I don't know what I said or didn't say. But let me end with this. What's in your God spot? What the, can we get the worship team up? I just want to respond. It's 45. Yeah, worship team up. And let's stand. It's going, to be a long, it's going to be a long prayer session. If you get tired, you can sit back down. But I want, to, I want to speak and pray life over you. What's in your God spot? Three, three questions, three, three elements to just take away and to, to ponder with the Lord right now. And they can start playing whenever they want. What's in your God spot? What activity of God do you need to ponder? What do you need to meditate on with the Holy Spirit? Today and moving forward. And where's the tension of your maturity? <laughs> As Seth shared at the end of his message about walking through and so many of us are, are in battles where we're weary and we've been waging and we've been striving and that beautiful psalm that says that he sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies that is this ancient authoritative anthem that the way we do war in the kingdom is to sit down with our father at a dinner table and feast Sometimes we, we're crying for a bottle and we need our diaper changed. And sometimes we're starving and we're fighting and we're fighting and we're fighting and we need a meal with our dad who allows us to feast in the middle of war. Because the way we battle is different in his kingdom. So what's in your God spot? What do you need to ponder with the Lord? And where's the tension of this maturity? When do you need to eat and when do you need to drink and when do you need to not? (laughs) 
The way to do that is just to take one area in your life that's just cold, hard, closed. Just open it up. It may start with going to another person. It may start with starting a new practice. It may start with journaling. It may start with, with praying. It may start with approaching someone for forgiveness. It may start with, with anything. You're going to know what it is. <laughs> I just don't want you to have any more excuses to not do something about it and allow the comforter to be the place to go in and allow you to be comforted so that you can address the area that is saying something else is Lord besides Jesus. He's our perfect father and he's our perfect comforter. 